Welcome to the Drop Zone. I'm Dylan DeChair sitting here with Sean Zock watching the Packers try to mount a fourth quarter rally. Sean, what is your biggest story in golf this week? The PJ Tour, everyone's worried about the Super League and the Premier Golf League. Don't be worried about it. Competition is good. My biggest story, the new generation of the PGA Tour isn't in the future. They are already here. We're going to break down that much and more on this week's Drop Zone. Thanks for being here. Okay, Sean, we are podcasting this week from a particularly pleasant location. Yeah, first of all, we're together, which does not happen as often as we would like. We are downstairs in a beautiful Airbnb in Pinehurst, North Carolina. I think it's a testament when we actually record from Seattle and Chicago when people hit me up and like, are you guys always kind of like together when you're recording? Oh. Like, is Dylan come to Chicago or do you do you go to Seattle? I'm like, no, that's just... It's a testament to our editing, to our producing. It's flattering. To our audio recording. It's always a, a good sign. It's a good, it's a healthy long distance relationship. It means that we are actually excited when we do get to see each other. Um, but man, I don't know the name of this Airbnb, but we would recommend it yeah. if you're coming with a crew here. Five stars. Five stars, uh, football on in three or four different rooms at the same time, <laughs> pool table, gym. We'll be taking full advantage. Um, but Sean, it's a it's not it's not the least important tournament <laughs> by any means of the fall hey, stretch. Hey, this is a big week. We had a decent field and decent? A, a bunch this of the best field. players in the field. This is a this is the biggest field, best field that this event has ever had. It is. So Well, you're grading against yourself there a little bit. Yeah. But yes, and the the best golfers in the field are really all played well this will be the biggest field generally this time of year almost every single year so yeah and when they when they actually live up to it justin thomas playing in mayakoba i don't think he usually does that suddenly his name's at the top of the leaderboard that's what we need during the silly season i didn't mean to diminish the 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 strength of the field here but really i guess what i'm referring to is that the mayakoba golf classic now the uh worldwide technology championship at mayakoba nailed it a real 90s vibe to, to this week's rebrand. Um, you know, it's it's not going to compete with Chiefs Packers, say. It's not going to compete with no. your quarterback, you know, going on Pat McAfee's show to, nope. to, to spread some health information with the people. Um, but we ended up with a pretty compelling tournament and leaderboard. We had Matthew Wolf looking like an absolute world beater. We had... Victor Hovland ultimately defending his title. You know, Dylan, I saw Matthew Wolf shot 61, but then I didn't see him on Sunday. Where was he? Well, he did something funny on Saturday, which is that he let Victor Hovland beat him by 12 shots. So I didn't he, actually know that. <laughs> he sprinted out in front. Uh, he was, yeah, he was the rabbit. Matthew Wolf like got just way, yeah, way, way out in front. And then he, you know, he got reeled back in. All right, but I want to talk about these big ideas. Your big idea is that the PGA Tour is already changing. We've talked about the threats to the tour, the rival leagues, super leagues, whatever you want to call these uh, these new squads that are forming. But you think they're already having an effect. Tell me about that. Yeah, the the, the sentiment these days is that the Super Golf League is bad 
right? If you spend a little time on Twitter and, you know, Twitter's not a great place for sharing of all kinds of opinions, but the Super League is generally thought of as bad. Why? Because PGA Tour players haven't quite committed to it yet. Where's the money coming from? What's coming from Saudi Arabia? That also is not the best thing going in golf. Um, Who is backing it? Well, Greg Norman, who's kind of always been trying to change the scope of the PGA Tour, he's the guy in charge of it all. He's, He's the commissioner so to say, of this new league. Then there's the Premier Golf League, which we hadn't heard mm-hmm. from in a long time. And they're like, yeah, you know, Jay Monahan won't take our call. He won't take our meeting. We want to partner with the PGA Tour. They're based, I believe, out of London. Yeah. Um, and so it feels chaotic. And so I think the chaos of, you know, another group of leagues, another, another you know, guard in the room uh, is throwing people off. But the my I mean I guess my main takeaway my main thought at this point where we don't know a lot of the the exact details we don't know if Xander Shoffley for example is involved we think Dustin Johnson's probably involved but is Cor- is Colin Morikawa involved Rory's definitely not involved but is John Rahm as you know forthright in his opinion about this stuff as Rory is so we don't know that stuff and so we're left to kind of opine and and wonder, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I'm trying to boil it down just to the thought of this is competition and people watching the PGA tour like the PGA tour. Do they love it? Some of them do. A lot of people want to change the PGA tour, including players on the PGA tour. Many people watching at home aren't exactly thrilled with the golf broadcast. A lot of people watching at home would like to see more match play. We get up for the Ryder cup but then we we go, we crash pretty darn hard, and there's a hangover when it's the next week. I don't even know where the mm-hmm. players played the next week. But we have a hard time watching every tournament this time of year because there is no competition to the PGA Tour. And competition is good in every single industry in the world. It's why mon- monopolies are illegal in many cases. The PGA Tour has a monopoly. Now that it has created a partnership with the European tour, what seemed to be competition for a long time is now non-existent. They are hand in hand walking forward together. So like who else is going to push the brains in Ponte Vedra to be different mm-hmm. without these leagues? Where does that come from? And so the point is that the tour is already changing, right? It isn't a, something that's just happened the past couple of weeks. Greg Norman has been thinking about this for decades, frankly, but Justin Thomas actually spoke about it on Wednesday. JT has been talking about how the tour uh, brass, the people in Ponte Vedra, Jay Monahan, the commissioner, has been just a lot more open to hearing from players lately. A lot less, this is how it's going to be. It's going to be a 45 to 50 event schedule every single year. These events are stroke play. The, the lion's share of events are stroke play. JT says, Yeah, leadership has been much more proactive, and this is what he said, quote, I think that's kind of been the main thing that's come out of this. Look, we can better our product, and we can better because of stuff like this. We can learn from it. I just think a lot of it was honestly the players not knowing and also maybe the tour not understanding that it could be done differently and that the players even felt this way. JT said, you know, tour brass kind of work for us. If the PJ Tour is going to champion itself as this charity organization, you know, this nonprofit, and they work for the tours, they are a player run player led organization, then they work for the tour. 
And if the tour players have these thoughts in mind, more money, greater rivalries, greater exposure, different type of a TV product, then they need to work for the tour players and at least entertain a conversation for this stuff. One of the biggest differences that you see from a player perspective is guaranteed money yeah, and more money in general. I mean, it, it really is a, a question of money, which I think is partly why it's a turnoff to some fans who see this as a you know a cash grab. And to some extent, it is. I don't think that that inherently makes it wrong. Uh, it's interesting also hearing the perspective of people who are not necessarily on the list of you know first ten guys that a new golf league would call. Yeah. So Graham McDowell seems to totally share he's your view very excited about the opportunity he was, he was like you know he, he said this is us talking about the golf league that we've all talked about over pints for the last couple of years and what it all might mean you know is it constructive is it disruptive if five of the 10 best players in the world leave the pga tour obviously that's a major problem and then he goes on to say you know competition is typically good for everyone i feel like the pga tour product has never been as strong as it is right now and continues to get stronger and stronger so he's happy he's also curious he's gonna kind of keep following this situation and i feel like that's where Everybody so many is. people everyone are. is we're having conversations like behind closed doors all these agents yes. all tour agents are open to this a lot of mm-hmm. tour agents really want this yes. they really want this and the initial moral um, misgivings that people have eventually is that going to be less of a barrier maybe over time because it's just confusing this stuff is hard to keep track of if you're a sports fan it's hard to keep track of ethically where you should be placing your consumption i think yeah well because it's an entertainment product right it's an entertainment product you want people to enjoy themselves at home People want to get away from politics when they're watching sports. Mm -hmm. So to say, oh, man, you know, I I don't really want to turn on this event because I don't really support the folks behind it. You know, that's that's tough. Yeah, that's just tough to keep track of. I think that's a viable complaint or reasoning to bow out here. But again, entertainment product. Were you entertained? Were you entertained enough by the details of this week's tour event? The field, really solid. The course, mm-hmm. Mayakoba, eh. The amount of uh, of TV time that was being given to this event exclusively on Golf Channel, eh. Like, what if this week's event was the first event and only event in November? You don't get PGA Tour golf for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Or it has a purse of $10 million, so everyone's involved. Like, these supplemental... <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right word for it. Complimentary potentially tours are going to inject enough ideas, whether it's forced money, whether it's bigger fields, better courses, lesser fields, team events. You know, one of the things the rumors has been flirted around with the super golf league are f- like four and five person teams. So yeah. you have Brooks Kepka and Patrick Reed on a different team than Bryson DeChambeau. Um, and suddenly Competing with these guys means a lot more. Competing together means a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm not really telling the viewers anything that they didn't hear of a year ago when the news of this stuff really broke. No, but I think the relevant point here is, okay, as an alternative to the Mayakoba Classic, excuse me, Worldwide Technologies <laughs> Championship at Mayakoba, if there was an alternative, would something else make you more excited to watch golf this week? And 
in my mind, what the PGA Tour has going for it is that it's a known entity. Yep. When Victor Hovland wins this week's tournament, I have context to put that in. Yep. Maybe I'm not dialed in for all 72 holes as a golf fan the way I would be for, I don't know, the Genesis or the Memorial or, or some of these other big-time PGA Tour events. But when he wins, I know to say, okay, he now has three PGA Tour wins. I know how to compare that to uh, Phil Mickelson <laughs> at his age or David sure. Toms's career or you know There's... any other number of – shout out, David Toms <laughs> – uh, any other number of – of uh pga tour pros over the years so we have context for it it's comfortable it makes sense when you're starting from scratch you're starting over you don't have a clear way to make sense of yeah what does that win in saudi arabia really mean brooks kepka's four-person team just beat team c um so but it's not like the competition at mayakoba has um a particularly high stakes feel to it. They're playing for a ton of money, but they're also hanging out, riding bikes around a resort. And frankly, frankly, loving life. I mean, have you been to a better loving resort, life. like hang or a better tour event hang than what goes down at Mayakoba? We went there now three years ago. You Sean. wrote about it. It was the chillest stop. I think believe hard to believe the headline was the chillest stop on the PJ tour three years ago. Um, and well, I actually want to transition this into into my idea, unless you okay. have anything else to say. No. We shot a cover there in late 2018, a rising a rising stars issue of Golf Magazine, and this was right before the you know Wolf Hovland uh, Morikawa <laughs> year. So the guys that we chose to be on that cover were Cameron Champ, Joaquin Neiman and Sam Burns. Mm -hmm. And it's been really funny to see the evolution of those guys on tour. And at various points throughout the last three years, one of them has looked like the little third of that group. Yeah. I, I mean, when we put Burns, Neiman and champ on that cover, that was the January issue of 2018, 2019. Excuse me. You're right. Yeah. 2019. And within nine months, Hovland was the low am, I believe, at the Masters and at the U.S. Open. Neiman? No, I'm talking about Hovland. Oh, oh, oh. Within, oh you're saying the next guys. Within, yeah, putting, yeah. within nine months of putting those dudes on the cover, they were supplanted by Hovland, who was low am everywhere. And the USGA created a rule to help him get his, or the PJ Tour created a rule to help him get his PJ Tour card, uh, the Hovland rule, when he came up just shy because he didn't get. FedEx Cup points right. via the U.S. Uh, Open. Basically, the assignment would have been a lot better if <laughs> if we had done it one year. Yeah, later. because Morikawa wins the Barracuda. Wolf wins by you know maybe one stroke over Morikawa at the 3M in Minnesota. Everyone um, that we didn't consider because they were too young at the time showed out, um, and so I started to feel like an idiot. Yeah. I started yeah, to well, feel bad. I thought like, wow, we chose the wrong young guns. And we kind of paraded around down there in Mayakoba, and we made these guys out to be better than they really were. And the only person who's won out of these bunch was Cameron Champ. And even then, he's, his game wasn't that impressive. A couple years later, holy cow, this is, this is kind of They've all turned around. And Sam Burns was the last guy to the party, really. He hadn't won. Now he is looking week in, week out, like you know one of the better players on the PGA Tour. And also, 
credit to us, Sean, for, you know, addition by omission. Some of the other guys that we considered to be on that cover, I mean, not to throw any dirt on like Norman, Norman Jung. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we for, I forgot. The next Tiger Woods. We were thinking about him. Uh, we were hoping to get Aaron Wise. Aaron Wise. He's an early tour winner. Hasn't, hasn't won since. Has not won since. Uh, played decently this week, actually. But I think overall things turned out pretty well. Joaquin Neiman, one of those guys, was T5 this week. Mm -hmm. And I want to read you the list of guys that are T5 and better. Because Neiman tied for fifth with Matthew Wolf. Solo fourth was Scotty Scheffler. Third place was Justin Thomas. Second place was Carlos Ortiz, who, while he's, you know, relatively new on the PGA Tour still, is 30 years old. So he's like the veteran of the group. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Victor Hovland wins by four. But, I mean, the rest of this crew, JT is, what, 27? Yeah. The other guys are, are 25 and younger. Uh, they've been considered the future of the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. And my point is that the future is now here. This next generation isn't gone. You know, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, those guys are, are certainly not gone. But these this group is no longer we're no longer projecting to look for when they're going to be contending yeah. week in and week out. This is now the core group of the PGA tour. I think, yeah. And I think you could have almost made the same argument last year, late last year when Wolf was in control of the U S open and then was beat by Bryson, the guy who was also in his twenties. Um, Joaquin Neiman had a really, really, really solid start in January to this tour season. Joaquin Neiman's missed one cut in the last 12 months. One one missed cut from a guy who we, we don't really pay that much attention to, but then he's ranked 30th in the world, and he'll probably bag a tour win in the next 12 months. Like All these guys are so good that they're actually they're the ones stirring the pot. They're the ones you have to beat. Sam, yeah. Sam Burns, how many players on tour would have swapped their year, their calendar year, with Sam Burns' calendar year? Probably 90%. Well, and there's a couple of things that are interesting about the way – the way this week came together. One is that Matthew Wolf is back. His his head seems to be in a good spot. He seems like hmm. he's playing two or three really good rounds per tournament right now. Um, I mean, yeah. You he, know the magic number with that is four. Four seems to be, well, look, this could make him a candidate for certain other breakaway golf leagues if he's more into the 54-hole <laughs> thing. But his week went 61, 68, 74, 65 on a week when – you know, guys were just making birdies on birdies out here. I need you to pause one sec. So you're you're pretty yeah. quick to say Matt Wolf is back. Is that because you're the reason why, because of your cover story and the cover jinx, you're the reason why he, he, he dropped off? Well, look, you never want someone that you write about to then take a bit of a nosedive immediately thereafter. Yeah, you've been doing that a lot lately. Um, do I feel relieved that Patrick Mahomes is back above 500 after just watching him finish this game. I don't know. He still didn't look particularly good. Um, no, I guess just maybe I'm jumping the gun on Matthew Wolf, but he, he played well at the Sanderson mm -hmm. logged a top 20 there. He finished runner up at the Shriners and then now a top five this week that if he'd played halfway decent on Saturday would have been right there in contention at the end. Everyone wants Matt Wolf back. Everyone wants him back. So yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I want Matt Wolf to, to, to come back 
as he's comfortable coming back. But he seems <laughs> like he's he seems like he's in the mix. Certainly, I'm not saying that. No, he's he's not immediately in the conversation for. Oh yeah, I would I would go back to taking him over Morikawa or Hopland. Yeah, no. He's definitely in third position of those guys. Mm-hmm. And then when you bring in Neiman and Scheffler, like it's it. My point is that the conversation there of which of those guys is the best is just getting more enmeshed with the conversation of who are the best golfers yes. in the world, period. I love that. I, 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 Like we talked about earlier, I felt really bad when we put – I don't feel that bad, but I, I felt kind of bad when we put those guys in the cover and then suddenly they are all kind of like hanging around number 100 in the world. And I was just like, well, which, which of these other guys are going to get a win like Cameron Champ has? Champ's won twice. And he's the lowest ranked of the bunch. Sam Burns is a top 20 golfer and Neiman's 30th. So, yeah, it looks really good. Um, my question for you, Dylan, and if, yeah. if I had to complain about your take. Please. Is that we do this all the time. <laughs> we do this all the time. There's, we react. There's always a new generation, the next youngest generation. Um, I think, I mean, it happened with the Ricky, DJ, Jason Day crew Rory was like just a little bit younger than those guys um it definitely happened with Justin Thomas Jordan Spieth the high school class of 2011 because you can throw in Emiliano Grillo um you can toss in well at one point you could toss in Smiley Kaufman to that bunch Patrick Rogers to that bunch we we anoint people because we're definitely looking for something new oh this is the next it person on the PGA Tour I just feel like, you know, another 18 months from now, we'll probably be anointing someone else along in that bunch. Like, it, it just it, it feels like that might be a process of pro golf. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. But I, I guess I still feel like there tend to be generations. Um, and that, I think this, that was... Does the, this bunch have better staying power to you than the previous generation? Where do you draw the line on John Rahm? He and Bryson DeChambeau. I think also Bryson fall in a little bit of Hideki? a in-between zone. Hideki's in that older generation. He's been around long enough to be, yeah. you know, he's in that Spieth, JT. So just to be clear, these generations are like two and a half to three years long. It tends to be, yeah, it's like a wave of when guys come onto, tour, yeah. onto the tour. And it, I think it's because of conversations like this. It's like... <laughs> It's that moment when someone goes from being, oh, yeah, he's a young gun, he's a rising star on tour, to, no, he's just a star on tour. And I, yeah. I think that's my main overarching point here. Yeah. This has happened. Victor Hovland, he's now going to get into the point, into the, into the conversation of, okay, Vic, time to get a signature win. Yep. This is, you're right. It follows this trajectory. Um, and... I think the thing that can anoint you isn't just a signature win, but it's like you go from being a tour winner and a mainstay to a major winner. And that's what makes it super tough is because Hideki was, I think to a lot of people lost for a long time. We're like, well, this guy's a tour winner. He's really good. He's, you know, he's won huge amateur events, ridiculous junior career, but he can't putt. So he'll, he, he's not going to be a, a tour Hall of Famer, right? He won't be a World Golf Hall of Famer. Then he has one ridiculous week at, at the Masters, and mm-hmm. suddenly, why can't Hideki win another major? And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, what's funny to me is how 
Scotty Scheffler hasn't won on tour. And when is Walking Neiman going to win a major? Eh, I wouldn't peg him for one. Is Victor Hovland's game that bulletproof that he'll bag a major soon? I don't think so. It actually, more than anything, makes me really appreciate what Morikawa has done. Is that like we're anointing Hovland, Scheffler, Neiman as the new age generation that is mainstays on tour, tour stars. Mm-hmm. And those dudes are two majors shy of Morikawa, a dude who's younger than most <laughs> of them. Yeah. That's what's Valid. scary. To bring this thought full circle... It is interesting to think about the tour compared to other major sports. And you mentioned Hideki, or you think about Neiman or Scotty Scheffler. The sheer number of storylines that golf fans are required to keep track of <laughs> so is overwhelming. And I think uh, one of the potential advantages of a breakaway league is just reducing the amount of guys involved. Victor Hovland, you know, he won just what maybe a half dozen starts ago in Europe but it's not like he's been contending every week it's not like the cast of characters contending every week is the same there's a real lack of continuity I mean one of the one of the biggest names this week Brooks Kepka. what he do didn't didn't play on the weekend more on that to come but um you know the the big names are not always going to be involved at the end Patrick Mahomes Tom Brady, like a handful of guys in the NFL, you know that they're going to be involved when you get to the games, uh, the the sports biggest events. And I think that that is the the excitement, but also like the viewer literacy that one of these breakaway leagues would be looking for. Do you know who's the ninth ranked player in, in the world right now? Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah, exactly. Louis Oosthuizen is the ninth ranked player in the world. How in the hell is one of the biggest tour fans in Idaho supposed to keep track of Louis Oosthuizen's progress all year long. What has Louis been up to? Yeah, and I'm sorry for knowing the answer. I <laughs> think that kind of ruined the effect of your question, okay. but I think I'm, you know, I'm definitely in the top like top 0.1% of owgr.com consumers. That's the so. point of your number of storylines that you're supposed to track. You're supposed yeah. to track Louis's progress into the top 10 in the world. Where has he won this year? Oh, wait. He didn't win this year. Right. Well, and tell me tell me anything that Louie has done since he played at Torrey Pines a few months ago. Like, if you're a casual golf fan, yeah. I'm guessing you haven't really T- kept yeah. much track of him since then. I think uh, T2 at at uh, Royal St. George's. I, yeah. That's it, though. Apologies to our, <laughs> to our Open Championship T3. Uh, pals. All right, Sean. Let's inject some fun into this thing. Let's go winners- and losers. All right. Carlos Ortiz, winner? Definitely. Even though he's definitely not a winner. Definitely the first loser. Second well, place. We're, all about, we're all, all about moral victories here um, on the drop zone and the up and down that Carlos Ortiz that made nasty. at number 18 from a plugged lie, short sided in the right bunker. Hacked it out, made a long putt to secure second place. Solo second in his home in a, country. In his home country, five under in the last seven holes. That's a back. He's really rally. good. I, he, I mean, he's got to be among the like top fifteen most underrated players on tour, right? He is cementing himself right on that, whatever you would call it, in that kind of second tier of of PGA tour players. That is something better than a journeyman 
And I mean, I don't know. He he really didn't have a very good year last year. To, to be but like he fair. He, but yeah, like, we almost won the gold medal. He is the kind of guy who I think he he leads a lot of like Thursdays on the PGA Tour. It's like oh, Carlos Ortiz shot sixty six. Yeah. He went sixty seven, sixty five, sixty seven, sixty six. How upset would that make you to shoot those four rounds and lose by four? I think I could live with it. <laughs> I got to be honest. And he's the defending champ next week. The Houston Open. So Carlos Carlos Ortiz, definite winner. How about Justin Thomas and Bones? Mm. JT's not really one for moral victories, but he finished third. He's got a new caddy on the bag, and at one point he was in last place on Thursday. So I think that that's worthy of a winner tag. Yeah. I, I kind of want to know what all went into that caddy decision for JT. We probably won't know, but like a lot of those decisions, but – he had to be thinking about it. His caddy had to be thinking about it this week. Anytime that you have a breakup, you kind of wonder, what are they going to do with their, with the next person? Is it going to be an upgrade or a downgrade? That's how relationships go. There's nothing in sports quite like that player-caddy relationship because it, it's such a funny pseudo relationship. None of them are meant to really last forever, but but man, they burn bright while they're going. That's a lot of time that these guys spend together. Oh, yeah. Now, another winner... I guess you were quick to anoint him as a winner would be Matthew Wolf. Yeah. yeah. Now got to be another loser. Cause he didn't win the tournament. He lost by seven strokes. Oh, otherwise this game wouldn't have many answers to it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, he played three great rounds of golf, 61, 68 and 65 on Sunday, but 74 on Saturday, as we mentioned, that 74 looks horrible, man. It looks <laughs> it, so bad. When you just look does. at these like leading scorecards of Hovland shoots 62, uh, JT shoots 65, 64 on Friday and Saturday, Scheffler shoots 64. When when Wolf gets drubbed like that and what Yeah, well you're like, "Oh, he's back, you know, he's he's happy." That's the round that is not going to make you happy. Here's what I was thinking about when I was, you know, checking the scores on Saturday was that when scores are so low and you're up near the lead, it seems even easier to just plummet. And I don't know, I would love to see a statistical breakdown of this, but on a day when scoring's tough, a lot of these guys are still going to make a lot of pars. They're still going to hang around par. But if you're off, you're off. And Wolf was off on Saturday. And when you're off on a day when everyone else is in full go mode Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you're a couple over par – and you're spotting five, six, seven, eight shots to your competitor, 12 shots to Victor Hovland. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a tough spot to be. So I'm, I'm glad that Wolf came back uh, and played well on Sunday. Uh, my final winner, Sean, the purists. Big week for the purists. What does that mean? It means that Green's books are gone. It means the war on golf technology mm. has very mildly begun. Well... You could transition us to the losers here if you want to. Well, a loser, first loser, besides Carlos Ortiz, would be uh, people who like Green's books. Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau, big fan of making his own Green books, uh, super detailed. A lot of players love throwing in tons of details. Caddies love throwing in all kinds of details to those things. They hold on to them for years. John Wood, you know, Golf Channel's. On course, budding on course reporter slash super successful caddy, 
you should see his detailed master's greens books from over the years. I mean, that's how people feel like they can win there is because they have put so much detail into those greens books. Uh, I don't really know what to tell those guys besides you guys have lost this little war and it's going to bother the hell out of you for a long time. It's a, it's a really tiny corner of the sports world. If you think about most golfers that play week in and week out, they don't think about greens books, but it's this, isn't it important? Oh, it's very important. And it's important on the professional golf level. I don't think it's something that people think about very much. Mm -hmm. I don't think that if you're not personally invested in this corner of the world, I don't think that you'll put up much of a fight to this rule. I personally like it. I understand that it's inconsistent given the amount of technology that players are allowed to use for full sh- full shots, trackman, etc. Yeah. But from an entertainment perspective, the less time yes. that viewers can spend watching guys look at books on the green, it j- it's better. It is. It has to be better. It has to be. I mean, this February when you see guys go to, or late January, you see guys go to Torrey Pines and you have a course that kind of turns over and you guys guys on the the front nine crossing people on the back nine and it, the rounds get super slow the pace gets just down to a crawl and if there's any place that you can actually speed up play that's a very obvious one you know the PGA of America came out a couple of years ago and said well we're going to incorporate range finders so guys can shoot the the pin from a long way away and they'll pay, they'll pick up pace that way. And then you see guys doing that. And then you see guys taking two and three minutes to read a green up at the green. And you're, then you're like, Oh, maybe we haven't, maybe we haven't figured out the real problem here. One more loser. Sean Brooks Kepka came to Mayakoba hoping to find something. He said he'd been playing so bad. He said he was frustrated and then he missed the cut. He did say in his pre-tournament remarks that even if he missed the cut if he found something just one little swing thought then he would still consider the week a victory but you know I don't know he came to the last four holes needing a birdie instead on number 16 he made a triple bogey (laughs) the woods the the woods are thick at Mayakoba if you get offline if you get in trouble you see a lot of big numbers here yeah so Brooks Kapka Uh, a loser you know who else is a loser who's that like old school Brooks Kepka who says, I don't practice that much. I don't like playing normal tour events. Suddenly that tune has changed. Brooks. Yeah, you're right. Actually it used to be big, that way. Big week for a Brooks Kepka putting himself out there saying that he's been grinding. He's been on the range. He's been working hard. He's been lost in the process and then shoot even par. Yeah. I mean, that guy should be a little bit worried about this big match. He's got coming up with Bryson, right? Yeah, I wonder if that the, match is not winning anything gonna, these days. Is anyone talking about that match? Uh, we're, we're talking about it right now. Barely. We're talking about <laughs> it because no one's talking about it. We're talking about it because Bryson's best meme that he's ever pushed out is just this digitally doctored video of him smashing Brooks's face into oblivion. And then Brooks coming out this week in an even worse social video that he shared. It's not good. This might be the worst viewed match of the series history. I don't know about that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not good, but it's never good. The pre-match trash talk, it, it's, it's not been good ever. It was Tiger and Phil. It was 
far more cringeworthy because they were trying to force it even more. But we're going to watch that. We're going to enjoy it. It's going to be entertaining. It might be cringe entertainment, but it's going to be fun. Um, but we'll definitely, you know, talk a little bit more about that in the, the weeks to come. But, Sean, I want to know, just to wrap things up here, what you're excited for here at Pinehurst. I should say we're here at the <laughs> – yeah. What, what are we doing here first? Well, we're here for the Top 100 Teachers Summit, which is put on – Biannually, which would mean every other year, uh, we have some of the best instructors in the world come down to Pinehurst, the home of American golf, and they give presentations to each other. They uh, they meet with each other. We write about it. We'll be producing the hell out of it and uh, hopefully teaching the world a lot. Honestly, you can find this stuff on our website. It's going to be shared but i mean you can subscribe and get it on there uh tons of content coming out of pinehurst i guess that's what has me excited is i have essentially at my fingertips down here yeah the best brains in all of golf i mean yeah and when we talk about you the the niche group of people that care about things like greens books (laughs) they're here yeah this is this is it it's a high concentration these are people that are obsessed with the little things you know, rotational forces. But last time we were here, I got a a little impromptu lesson from George Gankis. Yeah. I mean, that's that there is a price on that, but it's kind of priceless for a lot of people in the world of golf that think that is super cool. That's what we got last time. We it were here. actually it's it is really cool. I mean, all jokes aside, just like we're here with a bunch of experts and they're really smart people and they do nerd out when they're all talking to each other. But one of the reasons that they are good or, or at least some of them are so good is that they can dumb it down too. That's part of being a good teacher, right? Is, is making sure that your students are learners. So I'm excited for that. I'm also excited to sneak out to the cradle and I think potentially a trip out to number two. Yeah. You'll enjoy Get involved that. in the ground game here, Sean. Yeah. Your wedge game will be tested. That's for damn sure. All right. Well, I think that I feel pretty satisfied Thank you to all our uh, beautiful, beautiful Drop Zone listeners. Welcome to November. Sean, welcome to Pinehurst. See you next week. See ya.